Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Bobby Alawalia. She is the co-founder and creative director of Sashin and Bobby, and also co-founder of the newly launched The Good Cloth Company. Because I link Sashin and Bobby with formal evening wear, I wanted to ask Bobby about necessary pivots since the start of 2020. Plus, I wanted to know how she and Sashin, her husband, pulled off the launch of a second brand mid-pandemic. Welcome, Bobby. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, it's kind of fortuitous how we are here in this strange time, but we're trying to make the most of what we have. Um, our brand, of course, was uh, an elevated evening wear line. And over the course of time, for the last three years, we have been actually looking at the business and say how we can scale it, how we can actually make it a little bit more, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, all things occasion, whether it's day or evening. So that uh, deliberate attempt was made by us, I want to say, by the start of 2019. Uh, so So we had started that anyway, and luckily we used our website to kind of showcase, uh, you know, whether you would wear a certain piece of clothing during the day, whether it's for a luncheon or whether it was for, you know, a, a board meeting or whether it would be a day wedding. So so that gradual shift had actually started internally from us uh, by, uh, end, end of 2018, early 2019 anyway. And I think the pandemic helped us kind of push it a little further, you know, faster. So that was important to us. Um, and we see a lot of data come through our website. We see a lot of data come through Farfetch that actually is responding to the brand. Um, and, you know, we kind of, help, because there was the demand of, I mean, last year was a disaster for all of us because all of us were at home, not going anywhere. Um, so we actually internalized and actually, you know, so the thought was always there. We kind of put it into action. 2019 but we did it we added more um silhouettes design details and all of that for this spring onwards that'll showcase the brand in an entire entirety you know where you have day into and we used fabrics like linens that we'd never used in the past we used we consciously made the decisions of buying fabrics and producing them in that particular place for example if we bought the linens from gujarat we would make them in mumbai if we, we would buy viscose from China, we would make it in Vietnam. So we deliberately internally started, uh, you know, thinking that it's better to buy local wherever it is from and then import as opposed to buying fibers from Vietnam, shipping them to India. It's just the freight, the back and forth of it. I think all things that we were thinking of as a brand anyway over the years, we had to put into play last year you know, and this year. So it all kind of came to full circle now. And I feel this is a resurgence and a rebirth for our brand in a way. Um, so, you know, um, there we were for at least Sachin and Bobby. And now that you look at the site and you look at the brand followers or the influencers, the sneezers or whoever you call them, they are kind of much more broader than what we had in the past. So yes, the brand's been around about, I want to say 10 years, but I feel like you're in a resurgence and a rebirth today more so than anything else. So interesting. So you mentioned different influencers, different people shopping the brand. You're finding uh, there's a younger customer, yeah? Yes, she is an aspirational customer. Um, you know, we are very fortunate to, we we have a bridal presence. Uh, we always did. But 
ever since we found partners like Beholden, like we found partners that actually uh, came to us and said, you know, let's work together and I build a line um, of, um, you know, attainable um, evening dresses or maids dresses that are under a certain category. Would you be open to actually giving it through us? So we were super excited and thrilled with this opportunity. Um, because you know the, the young ones get do get excited and did get excited by with us in the past, but they, it was too far to reach. But now, if it's a bridal gown for seven hundred fifty dollars, it's affordable and it's on a pay like you have a payment program online. You know you can send uh, buy it in three installments, so it's not too much of a burden for a young for a young bride. So we were thrilled with this kind of opportunity, um, and you know kind of are building it out. Uh, uh, with, uh, of course, through our own website and regional partners like that. Yes, I'm so intrigued by what's happening in the wedding bridal space. I, I hear that, you know, gowns are selling. For for those who don't know, um, what, I guess, percentage or portion of your business is bridal gowns? So it's pivoted so fast um, uh, because, you see, you had the data that we were given with from um, uh, like all our retailers were like there were half a million weddings, like 480,000 weddings, say the not or whatever, some you know, sizable, reputable publication that said will be pushed back from last year to this year. So can you imagine the demand of people who had already planned their own weddings this year plus the pent up demand from last year? So at the moment, I think it's almost 35 to 40 percent of our business at the moment is servicing brides, which we never anticipated, but it is. Uh, and, and that pivot came in one accounting year itself. So it's uh, pretty sizable. We had, uh, uh, you know, we are and also because it's we are still in the the pandemic hasn't really if you think about it, it's not over yet. Mumbai, we have a sampling unit in Mumbai that's been around. This is second generation business. We inherited Sachin's mum's business that was a wonderful atelier in Mumbai that he kind of took on, then trained the hands and the staff. So Mumbai is, is still in lockdown mode, but people are getting to work because we all exporters have something called an import export. Like um, the BMC gives us permits and uh, uh, basically permits to keep open for at least a six to eight hour shift so that the workers can come in. We provided local buses for them. We have three buses that actually pick them up at three stops. And after a six hour shift, they get dropped back just because we have to keep the wheels turning. We, yes, a lockdown sounds sensible, but I mean, listen, if they don't die of this, they're going to die of poverty. So we've got to be real as to what we need to do as a company, what we need to do to kind of keep the lights up, up here in New York and in Mumbai. So we've been very careful about making sure that the employees are always tested, make sure, making sure that there is a shortage of vaccines in India. This is not a, I mean, it's it's true. Um, so what we can do as a company to protect our people, we have. It's a small business. It's not a huge business, but we are very cognizant of the fact that there is a shortage of uh, supply chain. So we have to do what we can to kind of keep the wheels turning, to keep, you know, so Sachin was in Mumbai three weeks ago. I mean, he's doubly waxed. He hadn't seen his parents in two years, so or two, a, year, a year and a half. So um, our creative director, our design director was there. So, I mean, it is strange times but we have to kind of move forward um it'll take a few years for us to get back where we were but you know the fact that we still people still want to buy the brand people are still embracing what's out there is encouraging we just have to tread the waters carefully find the right partners 
who can get behind the brand, uh, clean up our messaging, make sure it's a, uh, and also you know give our baseline and our and us and what's how, how do we say it like merchandise the why the line in a most sensible manner. So yeah, we are in the mid of off a big pivot for sure. So tell me about, I guess, the the pros and cons of owning your own factory. It's been a pro up till now, and maybe it was a challenge in the past year. How would you describe it? It is honestly, it's um, it. I wouldn't give it up for anything else uh, because you ha- your hands have been trained over such a long time. Like the the drapists that have been in the business, I mean, masterjis. To the two masterjis that have been worked with, we call them masterji in India. The drapists that have been with us have been with us for over forty years. So they worked with Sachin's moms, um, and now they work with us. So there's a sense of respect. They, um, they've been trained by our German clients because we used to have a B2B business. Uh, we still do. So the Europeans would come to India and train our set of hands in India. So it's, um, it, I mean, uh, it, it is a sense of responsibility towards them. You want to make sure that they are well taken care of, but there is a sense of joy because you can control what you make. You know, uh, but there is this huge sense of responsibility in times like this, for sure. So that's why we started the Good Cloth Company, which we can talk about now or later. But it's been very interesting time for us to kind of internally pivot, make sure our employees are well taken care of. We had to downscale here in New York. Uh, we were 30 of us. Now we're about 14. But listen, it's it, this is life. You know, at least we have them. Uh, and uh, we are keeping the wheels turning and kind of reinventing and redesigning and still, you know, delighting the the, the, the gal, which is what we do, right? Yeah. Let's go into it. Let's talk about the Good Cloth Company. What was the opportunity sure. that you saw there? Sure. So, you know, uh, this was the mid-pandemic. This was in April of last year where things were between the cancellations of all the department stores, between the complete radio silence, e-commerce, between the, I mean, things just came to a screeching halt and it was month two or three. Sachin Sachin was like brainstorming saying, listen, because we are true entrepreneurs by heart, he was like, you know, this pandemic will die down at some point. At at that point, we didn't even have test kits, if you remember. So he says, you know, at some point, a year, two years from now, whenever, we will have you know, things will come back. There will be a new normal. But how do we make sure our workforce is protected? How do we make sure? And we saw that mid-pandemic, like, of course, what kept the economy alive in this country, and this is my country now, and we are U.S. citizens, kept it alive are the front care workers, the the, the health care workers, the delivery people, the chicken farmers, the you know, like simple folks who actually kept the economy going. If you think about it, they are the ones who actually were always showed up. It doesn't matter how many cases of show. So for us, we were like, you know, fashion is fantastic and it's uh, not devoid of purpose, but it's still a perform. There is performance in it and there's a sense of self-esteem when you look good, you feel good, but you know, it's not really attainable by everybody. So Sachin and I came up with this idea of when we 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 met with a fantastic company in Switzerland through friends who kind of knew us. I mean, it was all fortuitous, you know. And this is a company that is actually a chemical solutions company that had come up with um, um, an antimicrobial compound, as you say, that can be coated on any fabric. Uh, it can be coated on any fabric, whether it it could be sportswear, it could be uniforms, it could be anything. So 
we came up with this idea of good cloth where the first line of action is actually come up with uh, um, you know well designed well manufactured uniforms for the healthcare workers for the gym employees for people who actually have to show up pandemic non pandemic and have their uniforms coated coated with this antimicrobial coating so they are more protected and of course being in fashion you want things to be aesthetically cool you want them to be comfortable you want them to be performance driven you want to make sure that you know there are four five things in play whether it's uh, moisture moisture repellent whether it's like i said very important design function so uh, and now we are talking to people who are actually in the nursing home game so we are talking to serious companies who actually have boutique nursing homes because as we move super fast as small business people um <laughs> big giants move slowly you know so we were trying to talk to the really big boys in the game and it really came down to like nickel and diming us and like but it's about health and it's about you know performance so luckily now we've been mentored and shepherded to talk to more boutique agencies that have uh, nursing homes so we can actually outfit their employees and so we're in the it's not a beta stage anymore we st- uh, so we have small orders so we started fulfilling uh, fulfillment i think as of early fall um so yeah we excited about that yeah yeah so did, is it kind of a b2b company you're working with the company yeah, so it will be an, yeah you're right it is going to be an institutionalized business um it we are packaging up and finishing up our financial deck as we speak so we can go direct to consumer which will need much more of an ammunition uh, in terms of having your own website and making sure you can service the everyday nurse for example because a pair of a very high um, um quality uh, direct to consumer scrubs is about 140 170 that's expensive for a nurse so i think if it's value and i think if it's protection and passion and if we can scale it uh we can give it to her or him for half the price so we are still in that phase of the build out um but uh, at the moment it is still institutional but it will be direct to consumer once we've kind of you know buttoned it all up you're thinking probably a totally different audience you're not going to be able to leverage your current customer maybe you'll be doing some i guess ads google search pay uh, attracting yeah. customers that way yeah true true so talking to to uh, digital marketing companies that actually work with uh, you know and doing some interesting pop ups in say for example next to the yale medical clinic or do, doing interesting things that are a little bit more um uh, driven towards that consumer uh, because you know we have serious doctors who actually buy my product but it's really for the for the staff of the hospital you know so um let's see it's challenging it's thrilling it's um it's a whole new business but we are trying to tread the waters as well as we can on that end and yet keeping this one alive the sachin babi piece so yeah it is it fun it is because it's a whole different ball game and it's a whole different you know kind of an audience she's a yeah. simpler girl but she enjoys fashion you right know on. Yeah. <laughs> is your t- your uh team able to i guess accommodate this new this new brand it did, will this force some new hires Uh it will force some new hires we at the moment are managing it to wear our own hats um so at the moment we're managing because it, you know it's fashion changes every uh, so it, say we show three collections a year or four collections a year you have to turn it on its head ever so often 
But if it is more of a uniform driven business, it's chic and the details may change or the colors may change, but the staple remains the same. So it's much more simpler in that dynamic, you know, in that um, scale. But I think uh, at the moment we're utilizing the heads that we have because we don't have the liberty of adding. But once we get this off the ground, for sure, then we'll have to kind of get somebody to kind of drive it as itself. For sure. Yes. Well, you mentioned direct to consumer. Let's talk the OG <laughs> uh, Sachin and, Baby, and Bobby line. Um, are you guys uh, currently selling, pri- uh, I guess, primarily direct to consumer? What's your, I guess, sales channel breakdown? So uh, we, so, uh, so currently we are, we have a, a pretty size, decent, sizable business that's e-commerce driven. In the past, we were sixty percent wholesale. 30% uh, uh, say e-commerce and then 20% whether it was our boutique or something. Now we want to say it's going to be, we it, we had, it'll have to, sh- it is shifting to almost the reverse where it's going to be 60% e-commerce. Um, and, but that needs its own kind of attention. It needs its own point of view. Uh, and we have a, a wonderfully seasoned person who's running it. Um, but she needs the support in terms of making sure that it's marketed properly, that the digital, you know, SEOs, SEMs are done in the right manner. Farfetch is, is, is a decent partner for us. And we really, we really kind of appreciate that support. So, um, you know, it's, it's in such a shift at the moment that I can't quite share numbers because every month is a different game. Uh, so, you know, here we are weathering the storm of, of in fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Am I correct that your e-commerce site recently had a little bit of a refresh? Tell me what, um, I guess, bells and whistles or what would be the ideal situation for an e- e-commerce site right now? What would you want to be able to present your audience that maybe you aren't already? I think, you know, for us, um, just to take care of the returns, to be very honest, because it is a it is a, a site that's easily shoppable at the moment. There is a feature that we want to add to it that will actually make you buy a, almost a size very close to what you want, you are, but that all these apps cost so much money. So at the moment, the, the gal say she likes a gown or likes a dress, are you typical shopper buys two sizes? a four or a six, and then she ships one. So, you know, you don't really get the full uh, number by the, the, usually it takes two to three weeks for the return to come through. So it's really tweaking um, the AI and tweaking uh, the processing of when she is buying something for herself or she's buying something for her daughter or whoever. Uh, So it's just managing that piece. Um, we refreshed our site and we add somebody add, added somebody uh, senior to this division only in November of 2019. And then the pandemic hit, right? So it was, um, she had a bit of a challenge on the table, but you no, know, she's managed to do well. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me why you mentioned Farfetch is a good partner. Who else? Tell me about, I guess, the, the Anthropology Beholden partnership. So yeah, the regional partnerships. Yeah. So we have, uh, so Anthropology, we've always done business with over the course of time. Um, and it's more, so they buy from our collection, of course. And then because we know the, the directors pretty well, we do small capsules every other month. Like they, we call them drops, whether it is an August drop or an October drop. So they work on a different, because you see, they're a completely direct to consumer model. So they are so data driven that they, the once they see there's reaction against a capsule, they can chase and ask us for more. So it's, much more quicker. It's a crazy business because the timing is shorter 
You see what I mean? So, uh, but you learn a lot. Um, and I like the ladies. It's fun working with them. So anthropology is a, it's, it's a sizable partner for us. Beholden is a fantastic partner for us for uh, maids as well as bride and bridal. Uh, and then there's Dillard's, of course. Uh, we oh, were right. lucky. We were fortunate enough to. Uh, I met Michelle Dillard. She's the youngest of the sisters, and we did a custom gown for her many moons ago. I want to say four years ago, three, four years ago. And at that point, we had expressed. I said, Michelle, what do you, what do you think? She said, you know, talk to my sister. She runs the department. Why not? So we just started a collaboration with them, or a, like a subsidiary line for Dillard's. Um, but we can't quite tell you the performance because we shipped it. March of 2020 and then the pandemic hit so we have an I know so we have another small capsule get being shipped now as of this week so we'll be there again uh, we took a bit of a break last year everybody did and then we came back on where we have another capsule rolling out in um, middle of May and June so we have so again it's a it's it's consistent but it's not every month which is fine um so yeah these are different you know kind of uh, revenue streams partners where we can scale the business meet gals who are a completely different sensibility than the northeast um gals who like to, who actually you know dress up in the south they take a lot of joy in it you know so they love color the way we do so um yeah it's uh, building it brick by brick i mean honestly yeah. <laughs> that makes sense i mean um i've seen obviously your collections and the, the reviews on like a vogue um tell uh-huh. me about i guess um first of all do you still believe in fashion week having a runway show is that necessary this day and age you know i'll be very honest i think it's fun to do a preview um shows the thing is it's we have, we have to decide who our audience is as brands is it the press is it the consumer uh us as a young brand like i have well-heeled friends who i have very honest conversations with and when i used to invite them to my shows they would be like oh this is fantastic can i have it bobby this like, oh it'll be ready in six months she's like oh my god like why am i seeing it now <laughs> so the thing is if fashion has to be for the consumer then there is no relevancy in fashion a fashion week being six months ahead you see Uh, that was not the point when this all started it was always to the trade if you remember Uh, when I arrived in this country 25 years or 27 years ago we had and I used to be you know going to 7th and 6th and Bryan Park and Lincoln Center and all that fun stuff it would always primarily be towards the trade so you actually showed it to retailers you showed it to people in the press that you got excited and then you booked orders and then you shipped thanks to the digital age it's gone like today can walk into a show she will instagram it she'll go insta live it the consumer gets excited and then it's available six months from now so you see so that that is the biggest disconnect in terms of what was and what hasn't been working so i think it's more relevant to actually show um, you know, uh, your collection to the consumer at a different, with a different lens almost uh, to do, a, a, say, a fun tea or to do a great kind of, I think it has to go back to how it used to be, you know, like do a salon kind of preview, do a salon presentation, do something more intimate and actually have stock to support the excitement of it. Yeah. You see what I mean? Because Absolutely. this six month band is, for me, I understand it because it takes time to, procure the patterns to make the to, to source fabrics to but these pains a consumer doesn't need to know i mean do we really need to know this no yeah right so um 
I I don't know if show. I mean, listen. Do I love a good show? Yes. But as a consumer, if I'm going to a show and I have the pocket to buy it, I'd like to, you know, be be invited to a trunk show where I can actually purchase the the piece of clothing, item, shoes, whatever the case is. So that relevancy has to. I think that has to shift because in that digital age, I mean, thanks to Amazon Prime, thanks to Netflix, nobody wants to wait anymore. You know, nobody wants to wait every Thursday for that Friends episode, if you remember. Now we want to stream everything, you know. It's just consumer habits. We have to change with the time. We must kind of adhere to what she or he needs and work from there. So do I love shows? Yes. Do I like presentations? Yes. But it has to be, if it is consumer, if the point is consumer-centric, then it has to be closer to the season. You know, then you, you know, it's a little old-fashioned way of thinking, but I think that's what when things worked. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that anthropology is doing kind of these monthly drops. Do you still believe in the core collection doing uh, seasonal collections? Does that still work? See, seasonal for us works because that is the hero, right? Like that is uh, that is the kind of the hero shot where you you make something, present something, allow the girl to dream in it, even if it is a small, tight, small point of view. And then you do capsules every four to six months. You see, so um, because I think fashion is there is some joy in kind of dreaming in a brand and saying, oh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I still think it's important. Um, It's just a very interesting way how you have to turn it on its head and make sure you don't kind of show it all once together. And then there's a six month quiet period. You know, you'll have to do small drops every other month, if not every month, which is fine. Um, Consumer habits are changing so rapidly. And um, it's it's actually humbling and quite wonderful to talk to them and learn from them as to how they really perceive fashion. You know, it does be does it excite people always, always? Yes. Yeah. As those habits are changing, and um, where do you see? Like, what do you think is the future of evening wear? Like, what does that even mean? I think it's going to come back for sure. Listen, evening, the new evening doesn't have to be a serious ball gown. A new evening could be a super chic dress in the most luxurious fabric. Um, it could be uh, a great kind of a play suit in the most luxurious fabric. Um, I think there, there is going to be, Broadway will come back, Lincoln Center will come back. Um, it's just going to take a little time. Uh, so for the moment, people are shopping in their closets, which is actually not too bad. You know, yeah. she's kind of trimming the length. Or, but uh, we still see a big uh, online. We still see a big uh, um, like our gowns and are our, our, our still people still want them. People still, you know, whether it's uh, proms or it's weddings or it's uh, people are still kind of engaging in that. So it's yeah. just um, the relevancy of how much evening do you need in a collection? Dressing celebrities on, I guess, for the red carpet. I know you've that's been that's happened in the past. You guys have had success there. Does that drive a lot of awareness? Does it drive sales? What does that do for the brand? You know, it's sales. It does, and I'll be very honest, Jill. Uh, I but it is. A, I mean, for us, the biggest honor was when Michelle Obama wore a play suit, right? Oh my Which God. You, so that was like I was like, all right, I think I've done my life's work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so because I admire her as a person, I admire her, her sense of fashion. Her she's statuesque like me. She's almost six feet tall. So to me, it was a dream, and I think it was fantastic. Did it drive sales? Not really, but it really broadened our reach. We had many more eyeballs than we ever had before. So I think dressing celebrities, as much as I love them, is really about brand awareness in terms of 
actually clicks on your website? Not really. I'll be very honest. Um, uh, it helps, but it, it there is no direct um, what's the word? It has to be like a twenty dollar item or a, like a real. If it's a thousand dollar dress or a seven six say five hundred dollar dress, it's still a thought, you know. So so I think uh, celebrities, as much as we love them, can help push something quick, fast, a subscription. Yes, in terms of fashion, I think they will the perception of that brand gets elevated. The perception of that dream gets elevated, which is quite wonderful and fun. <laughs> totally. Well, what does work to, I guess, drive that sale? Is there some, is there a go-to strategy these days? I think I'll be very honest. It's go to the basics. Make sure your customer service on your website is, is run sufficiently. Make sure your social, which we are still working on, is much more kind of honest and direct make sure you serve you give the client a value for that particular item it's very old fashioned but if you're taking care say it's a 500 dollar dress which is a lot of money but if she can wear it and the and, and the investment on that piece is nothing where she can wear it to work she can wear it to dinner she can enjoy it at a wedding so it's cost per wear so it's simple mechanics of are you taking care of your consumer are you being authentic to your design are you making sure your fit is really the way you want it to be are you shipping on time are you taking care of the returns on time it's simple unglamorous non-sexy pieces of fashion uh, where if you do that i promise you business will be yours yes speaking of you know? unsexy where is your market <laughs> i have a question where is your marketing budget going these days i know marketing budget is still towards e-commerce site i'll be very honest you know there is no um, just because we last year was was crazy so we don't really have a budget for a preview or a presentation that we used to do in the past but we are talking to sponsors we are talking to people who are still you know kind of excited with the brand but at the moment it's all digital yeah Okay, great. Um, you mentioned cost per wear in terms of buying a dress. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if you're still linked with like a rent the runway, but why would a partnership like that? Yeah, why we does are. that make yeah. sense in terms you of? Know, yeah, I one enjoy. And done. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm a, I, I think she's a unicorn. I really think the ladies who founded it. I, I have much respect. It's fantastic. Last year was tough for all of us. Um, so their market is very interesting. They have the very young customer. Or a, a gal who can't be bothered with shopping. So it's two kind of many kind of their data is so interesting. So they have a lady who actually understands subscription business, which are the 20 years and 30-year-olds. It's not somebody like me who's 47, you see? So and they have a prom, they have, I mean, the girls in my office, they have 10 weddings in the summer. That's a lot of weddings. There is no way somebody's gonna go out and buy 10 different dresses, correct? So um, we do, uh, they buy from the collection, similar to anthropology. They buy, they cherry pick, say, and they buy, um, I want to say, you know, a short capsule of, say, six looks or eight looks. And they average, they want to rent that particular piece out, I want to say, 65 times. I can't remember, I can't remember the exact data, but they want to make sure that that piece, and with our pieces, they've had that success and more. So that's why they came back and they said, because I guess people see the value in it. Like if she rents it for, say, $80, right? Or whatever, and the, or $120. But the actual cost is 1000 or 700 whatever you could. So look at the difference. And she's going to get a picture taken in it. She's going to enjoy her time in it. She'll have good memories with it. She'll send it back. So yes, environmentally, <laughs> I know they've got a bit of flack, but 
you know, if they're more sustainable with their dry cleaning process and all of that, uh, they, their audiences are completely, because our audience for our e-commerce website is 35 and up. You know, the data we have, it's 35 to say 60, 65. But the rent to runway gal starts much younger. So for us, again, it's a good partner to have because we don't have that young clientele buying from us because she, the pocket doesn't allow her quite yet, you know? Yes. Definitely. So we don't see it cannibalizing our whole business. I actually admire Alexandra. I like actually uh, Jennifer. I actually like Knowles. They have it down in terms of how they are, you know, managing their capsules. So yeah. So we work with Sarah and Ju and and and, uh, and James and uh, and of course I admire Jennifer for getting this unicorn off the ground because it's a fantastic kind of you know way of uh, yeah of not always owning, you know, of kind of, so it's kind of sustainable in a way, if you make sure, you know, you do it right. For sure. Well, I have to ask a fun question as we're running out of time. What is the secret to making a, <laughs> to working with your husband? <laughs> oh my God. I know. Right. To pick your battles. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, we, I've known him. I met him at fashion school in 94. So oh I've known him since we were children. I was a textile major and he was a design major. So we were FIT, 20, yeah. FIT, humble beginnings at FIT. And I still feel, sometimes I still feel we're the same young kids, you know, always arguing and talking over each other. And, you know, but it's just, I think we are kind of cut from similar fabrics. Our parents, our moms were both uh, designers, our both designers. My mom had a very successful kids wear line in India, such as mom had a ready to wear line in Mumbai. And our dads are engineers. His dad worked for Philips. My dad had worked with Hindustan Motors. That's like the GE of India. So it's funny that when we met at school, we came from, I came from New Delhi, he arrived from Mumbai, that when we met and we had this friendship and this sweet romance, we were kind of like, wow, it's kind of strange that we both have the same sensibility of let's try something new here. Let's make sure we were very serious kids in our 20s. So, you know, I think we kind of grew up together. We um, had next to no money when we started our B2B business. And we build it brick by brick. And then, of course, had our sweet family together. So I think it is playing off each other's strengths, being very honest and very, and that part is hard for a marriage, being very honest and being two critics of each other, uh, but making sure that you, when he is doing great, you make sure that he is encouraged and he shines. Or when, when I'm doing something, uh, you know, my girls actually make them like, did you actually congratulate mom on something? So just making sure you all look out for each other and take care of each other's sensibilities because we both bring in different points of view to the business. Um, and we both use the both right and side, left right of, of our brain. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting union. I don't think it's fantastic. It's, it works. Um, but you've got to pick your battles. You've got to, now you know how, what one's strength is. You know, totally. Well, any other goals uh, for 2021 that we didn't talk through? So you want to, um, I guess, build up your e-commerce site. You want to get the good cloth company uh, further off the ground. What else did I miss? Uh, just to uh, and to enjoy, uh, enjoy who you work with and, you know, kind of um, build a sensible business where you're giving the gal what she needs and not just dreaming up a weave. I know it sounds very simple and boring, but to me, fashion is when people are spending their honest dollars on your clothing. So just listening to the data, enjoying your workday, making sure you are still inventing and, re and delighting and still have that, you know, keeping that third eye where you are creating something new and keeping her excited for the next. Um, and just, you know, enjoy the joy of living, really. 
Right on. I love it. Good note to end on. Bobby, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for your time. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.